Hello and welcome to the Campaign Podcast. I am Gurdjit Deegan, the Creativity and Culture Editor. Joining me today is Imogen Watson, our Work and Inspiration Editor. Hello, Imogen. Hi. And our reporter, Charlotte Rawlings. Hello. Hello. Uh, So hello and thank you for joining us today. On to the news. Um, It's been a sombre week for many after the passing of the Queen last week. There were lots of brands that decided to postpone the launch of their adverts and media owners covered their space with black banners and tributes to the Queen. And a lot of that is still going on today. Um, Charlotte, what are your thoughts on how brands and media owners reacted? I was surprised by how quickly everyone reacted to the situation. I think it goes to show the sensitivity of the media when it comes to stuff like this. I mean, I was aware the BBC would have to act quickly and be really cautious with their coverage, but I wasn't expecting it to be quite so widespread. Um, At times, I thought it might be a bit overkill, like when you go to the tube station, for example, all of the digital billboards are tributes to the Queen, which obviously it's done from a place of respect but rows and rows of the Queen's portrait going past you on the escalator. <laughs> it's off-putting. <laughs> yeah, a little bit off-putting. Um, but it almost feels like very surreal, surreal like mm-hmm. you're in a film. People keep likening it to um, North Korea and stuff. Yeah, like, and it's odd. like, obviously that's not the intention, but also when it comes to like the brand's treatment of it, um, a lot of brands have been paying their respects and some of them probably not in the most tasteful way. Like Pretty Little Thing launched a collaboration not a collaboration like a collection Mm. um trying to pay respects to the queen again done from like a place of like good nature but it was all like outdoor wear and also a lot of camo for some reason um do they have that teed up or do you think they like brought it out like spun it around i think they were i think they were trying to be creative with how that but it's just like just put a black banner on your website i don't think you need to come out with a collection (laughs) somebody was telling me something about similar about Anne summers so there was like a load day there was a a window full of obviously lingerie that's what she would have wanted (laughs) and then next to it was just uh an image of the queen and their tributes the pretty little thing collection received quite a lot of backlash um so i think but it's really interesting like the amount of care and attention that sort of went into other how other brands and like Mm. media owners have reacted to the situation um i think the majority of it has been like so well thought out yeah it does show like how quickly we can react to things Mm. or the industry can react to things like this and i suppose that's perhaps a learning from covid Mm. um in how quickly brands and media owners turned things around um yeah so um should we move on to um, Imogen? Your, I know your question of the week this week's been around this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're right. You're, you're working on a piece that says that asks as the Carolian era begins, what next for brand Britain? So tell us how um, people have answered the question and who did you speak with? Yeah. So I guess the big question is to what extent does the institution's appeal depend on the Queen, um, and what role the royal family is going to play going forward? Um, I mean, we're just off seven days um, of intense scrutiny um, and just, you know, we're looking at how the royal brands emerged as an institution. Trevor Robinson, founder of Quiet Storm, he noted how Elizabeth II was the fabric of Britain's daily life. But as a post-Elizabethan age dawns against a backdrop of pro-independence, anti-imperialism and disquiet about Britain's colonial past, the future of brand Britain feels fragile. Similarly, uh, Leila Fattah, founder of uh, Platform 13, 
says actions taken over the next few months will set a path for the future of Britain, defining the role of the monarchy and whether it has a future in a modern world. She says it starts with a hard look in the mirror and a heartfelt acknowledgement of the past, um, but she does welcome it as an opportunity for de decolonization um, to break down race and class systems, to be on the right side of history. Um, and PR legend Mark Borkowski says the UK should take a moment to observe the mood of the nation and signs of hope. Um, and he says events of this magnitude always test the purpose of an organization, but he appears quite hopeful um, looking forward. So, um, yeah, kind of a mixed bag. Mm. Yeah. So um, as Trevor says, do you think the future feels a little bit fragile? Yeah, I think from obviously everyone's queuing up at the minute and I don't know how they count them, but supposedly there's like 750,000 people queuing in line to pay their respects to the Queen as she lies in state, oh, wow. which I, I don't wow. know if I like, I can't even go to festivals anymore for the queue for the toilet. So I don't know if that's, a, it's pretty wild, but it just shows you that whether, you, you know, you're for the monarchy or not, you can't doubt the appeal she had and the place it still plays and continues to play. Um, the fact that people are willing to turn up for that. Um, I don't, I'm not quite sure if the respect for the royal family will die out with the death of the Queen. I think a lot of people, the monarchy is synonymous with Grand Britain. Um, and I think a lot of people in the UK and overseas still look to it and, and you know, whether it will go out because the Queen said, I, I'm not mm. quite sure. But I think a lot, a, an awful lot rests on King Charles. I wouldn't want to have his job right now. He's in his 70s and he's got a big task ahead of him, um, just finding the fitting for, for the royal family um, in a modern world. And it's got you know, an undeniable murky past. And like uh, Layla, I would, you know, I think we'd all welcome them to acknowledge that. But mm -hmm. whether they will, I think will be the test of the yeah. future of the monarchy. And what are your thoughts, Charlotte? I think with King Charles, obviously, the Queen has more of a historic legacy behind her, which probably helped things a lot. Whereas with Charles, I feel like there's more, I don't know if it's me from like the perspective of like a 24 year old, but... I think for me, Charles seemed more of like a modern, not like in terms of maybe like mindset, but as like an image, he's more of like a modern image. And I would find it difficult to see the same level of respect for him as the Queen had, mm -hmm. me that's personally. Yeah. And I don't know how that's going to affect like Brand Britain. Are people going to be less interested because it's less of a historical figure and more of like a current yeah. It's just the question of whether her death will signify the end of it, because it's like, I agree, it's the sort of thing where I don't think he at all has the same appeal as Queen Elizabeth. It's not, it's not even a question. Mm -hmm. But whether her death will remove, you know, the revere we have for Queen Elizabeth as we look to her, just because she's not around anymore doesn't mean that, that Bran Britain will lose her as a sort of figurehead. True. Uh, True. I, think, I think she'll live on through that, definitely. So what do you think our new king should focus on? So <laughs> I just want to say that I'm not quite sure how this works. So I understand that Prince Charles is was quite political. King Charles. King Charles. <laughs> it's going to take some time, Gerger. Yeah. It's all fresh. <laughs> uh, but I, I know he was more political than the Queen, so mm. I'm not quite sure what that means now. Will, will he have to keep his mouth shut, essentially? Mm -hmm. um, I'm not quite sure, so bear with. Um, but yeah. on it. <laughs> there are ways, though, aren't there? Yeah, there no, no, ways. So, uh, you know, he's a re renowned advocate for the environment, mm -hmm. and, and and I really hope he continues to draw attention to that because you know the, the government can feel quite tardy at times in terms of the way that they're responding to climate change. And if you just look at Pakistan, it's just quite scary the point we're getting to. So, you know, 
I really hope he continues. And there is question about there's 600 businesses that currently have royal warrants from the Queen. And um, I know that there's been a sort of push as of late to to include more ethical brands. So I hope that the brands that he chooses are completely ethical and sustainable. And I think by making that as a sort of that could be quite a statement yeah. for him from a sustainable point of view. Yeah. So with this royal warrant, mm-hmm. um, from what our understanding is that there's 600 brands on it already, mm-hmm. um, and it is all by appointment of the Queen. Mm-hmm. So now that there's a new monarch, there's so King Charles. It's an opportunity for him. Is yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. He will need to choose, and I think the brands will need to reapply for their warrant mm-hmm. as well. Exactly. Something it's like it's that, a big yeah. process. We've got we've got mm-hmm. enough going on. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I suppose the argument there is perhaps um, he'll be choosing more sustainable. Mm. brands and those yeah. brands perhaps like auto um in the auto sector mm. um the ones oil businesses yeah. perhaps other um, sort of like very not... carbon mm. led brands i think mm. would be i think you should have a wide berth yeah <laughs> yeah like we've just been discussing with the colonial past of the royal family he's he was a, he's bracing for a commonwealth crisis with the prime minister Ventiga and barbuda planning to hold a referendum to replace the monarchy and become a republic um, whether he's the right person to talk about racism in the UK is up for debate. Um, but, you know, if, if if he could do good in this area, then I welcome someone doing something if it made any change. I know, yes. Um, Charlotte, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, I think sustainability and the environment needs to become top of the list, to be honest. And I think um, when me and my friends have been discussing what's been happening with the royal family, um, I would say that none of us are, you know, massively interested in, you know, what they do or what they stand for. And I think that's quite a common theme throughout, like, the younger generation particularly. But one thing that did come up was at least Charles has got, you know, sustainability in the environment top of the priority list, I would say. So that can only that can only be a good thing. And at the end of the day, like, whatever you think about the monarchy it's not going to go away unless there is a revolution. <laughs> and I don't see that happening anytime soon. So it's kind of like, what can you take from them and the positives from their power? And just really hope for the best. And maybe this will be like a new chapter. End of an era. It is indeed. Right. Uh, let's move on to some brand news. And last week, John Lewis launched a new brand proposition for all life's moments. Um, It moves on from the brand's 97-year-old, never-knowingly undersold proposition. Campaign reported that Claire Poynton, John Lewis's customer director, has previously said they were looking for a more inclusive approach to value, which will mean something to all our customers. She also said that John Lewis is focused on two broad customer segments. One is 35-year-olds who are very online-oriented, and the other is 50 plus who have been loyal long-term customers. Imogen, what do you think about the change in John Lewis's marketing? I mean, my only criticism is not for John Lewis. I think that the fact that they've got this really strong tagline that's worked for 97 years and it's something that, you know, we've all known. And the mm. reason you go there is because you think, oh, I'll go, you get a, you get something back. So it's like you'll go to John Lewis because they're going to give you the same price as anywhere else. And if, if, if they're higher, they'll, it comes with something as a brand mm. promise. And I just think that like the removal of it just signifies the kind of cost of living crisis that we're in and the sort of, you know, we're heading into a recession. And just for me, it just signifies that the loss of that is like kind of like the loss of something good. In a yeah, way. it's quite sad, isn't it? It's quite sad. And um, But then I, I think they've done a really good job of of turning it around um i think that you know it's a really difficult task to take a, a brand 
like promise like that that's been with them. I mean, I can't believe it's 97 years, but, <laughs> you know, it's synonymous with the brand. Um, so like I say, I think they've done a really good like job of of coming up with something else. Um, I think it works really, really well for them. But it's just, yeah, like I say, I'm <laughs> gutted I can't go to John Lewis and say these headphones are cheaper elsewhere. <laughs> uh, Charlotte, do you think John Lewis is offering value to everyone as uh, Claire would hope it does? I mean, to me, the new slogan of like for all of life's moments implies that's, you know, it's for everyone. I think it suggests that people can come to John Lewis for small things and for big things at prices that, I mean, aren't going to break the bank. But obviously, you know, that's for John Lewis standards. Um, but, you know, it's it's probably now more relevant than ever to look at it from that perspective, um, especially like the cost of living and obviously like what Imogen indicated, it's a sign of, you know, things changing and that's obviously quite sad, but they're trying to put a positive spin on it, which you can like respect them for. Um, I know that John Lewis has, it's like any day range, um, which offers like more affordable products from John Lewis. And it used to be more focused around homeware, but since then it, it seems to have introduced fashion and children's wear. Mm-hmm. So I think it's delivering on its promise there, definitely. Um, I think it's good that John Lewis like also recognizes that it probably won't be the brand that people in their teens or early twenties go to. I think it's good that they're just, they're being mm. realistic about that. And the 35 year old sort of online oriented target audience is definitely more of a realistic step towards the younger generation for the brand. Do you think that's the right approach they've taken to target a younger audience then? I think a lot more brands need to start targeting younger audiences because at the end of the day, they're not going to stay young forever and you need to get them when they're younger so that they can sort of grow with you. The older generation aren't going to be there forever. Mm. And if you don't target the younger generation now, then what are you going to do? I'm just pulling this out the air, but I wonder if this sort of more value range, when we're talking about sustainability and fast fashion and whatnot, you know, I feel like Marks and Spencer has stepped away from those sort of long wear clothing, whether they have this more value range of of clothing Mm. from John Lewis, whether they could sort of, because you wouldn't have turned to John Lewis in the past because it would have been more expensive. Mm. Um, oh, so the, so perhaps uh, John Lewis with their any day range is yeah. kind of filling that gap that M&S has, has left. left behind. Mm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Okay, so what do we think of the ad? Um, it's called Stuck on You by Adam and Eve, um, who've obviously been working with John Lewis for a long time. Let's have a little listen now. <sighs> Hello. Good girl. La 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 It tells the story of a father and daughter relationship and shows the sleepless nights with a newborn that I know too well. Um, (laughs) Weaning, also know a lot about. (laughs) Um, First words, first steps and birthdays, and it ends with the girl's first day at school and a very emotional father. Actually made me quite teary. (laughs) But it's something something that parents are going through right now, and I think they have really tapped into culture Mm, really well. Um, Charlotte, what do you make of the work? Yes, you saying that, it just made me realise it's come at a good time, hasn't it? Because it's like the back-to-school period and like a lot of parents are going to be well we saw Maisie's <laughs> yeah. photo of yeah. her, her younger and her eldest going and yeah Gemma's daughter started yesterday yeah so. so I think yeah it's come at a good time and I really liked it I mean as someone I don't have kids um but the ad still resonated with me because I wasn't looking at it 
from the perspective of the parent I was looking at it from the perspective of the child and the moments you share don't I'm gonna get emotional thinking about it um yeah and like the moments that you share with your parents at that very young age and it's like I I still remember you know being that little and like sort of waving goodbye at the school gates and like so it you know it can be relevant to everyone no matter what your what your situation is and I think also the music as well because like we come from a generation of like like classic Disney sort yes. of thing and the music you're like when you listen to it you're like oh my god this like gives me mm. this level of emotion because it's um Lady and the Tramp when yes. the, the mother's cooing with the baby and like that's something we've heard we've heard that so many because when you're a kid you just continuously watch Disney <laughs> so that's so ingrained in our psyche so maybe there's a part you imagining yourself as the child yeah maybe the music works to yeah. kind of like Remind you. Yeah. yeah. I think also talking of films, it really like the vibe of it really reminded me of um about time, you know, mm, the Richard Curtis yeah, yeah. um time travel one. Uh, I think especially when like he's waving her off at the school gate and stuff yeah. like that. I think it just had a very like it has just a lovely vibe about it and you can't be mad at it. Like mm. it was it, <laughs> I, I think the the gender roles is interesting because I think often when brands try to tap into this like, oh, men can also look after kids, it can feel a little bit like they're force feeding you it. Mm, well, I totally. felt it was just such a natural look on I mean again I don't have kids but I've got nieces and that's how I see my brothers with Mm. their wives and they're very equal in the role that they play and I just think they've really captured beautifully like this example of gender roles in in modern society. Mm. Okay um, so that brings us very nicely to the final part of our podcast today where we review some of the latest ads. So we've obviously had a look at John Lewis. Um, and why don't we look at um, Wanderhood Studios' work for furniture brand Made called Never Ordinary. It shows a man on a first date at his date's house. He asks to use a bathroom and ends up in a corridor full of doors. And each door he opens shows something surreal made out of the furniture. Let's have a listen. <laughs> the bathroom's upstairs to the left. This was our pick of the week last week, written by Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte, would you like to elaborate on what you wrote and what was so striking about the work for you? Uh, well, first of all, you're welcome that I wrote such a good pick of the week. Anytime. <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, just that furniture can be quite a boring category and it kind of feels like they threw out the rule book with this one. Um, I think weird will always catch your eye no matter what the context is and I think Ikea's advertising has proved this over the years as well that with the ordinary product you have to really think outside the box creatively and not to be afraid of looking just ridiculous and bizarre um also like the it still managed to like make the furniture look stylish even though there was literally a man with a fish for a head um, but <laughs> it didn't yeah. detract from the furniture like I still came away from it thinking oh that that bed that, looked really yeah. nice like mm. so I think yeah I think they just managed to do it really well without distracting from the mm. product yeah I like the um what was it the sofa it turned into yeah when it was like cascading like the yeah. water I liked the that fabric it looks mm. some... did they sell that fabric I don't well, know must go do. check the website surely I they think must that's do. the aim of the game <laughs> yeah. um, I think weird yeah. wins 
I yes. really like, if you think about some of my favorite ads of the past, you know, when you think about like Cadbury with the gorilla or like the boxer from John Lewis on, on a trampoline, like it's always just something that's a bit odd that stays with you and you remember. Mm. And I've had a lot of conversations with people recently about the UK advertising has got too safe and we're not doing things that are a bit risky and whatnot. And like, it just was quite nice to see them come out with this kind of odd and bizarre ad that, you know, makes you want to go on the made website mm. and order everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on thank your credit you. card. <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> next up is the Walmart company, Werewool, not fossil fuel by 20 something. It shows a group of people swimming in a pool of oil and struggling to get out. The message is that synthetic clothing uses a lot of oil. Let's have a listen. Imogen, how did you feel when you saw the ad? Um, so I heard about this from the 27 guys um, a couple of weeks ago, and it was so interesting hearing the amount of work that went into it. It sounds like that, like they really went as a lot of effort to bring this to life. And I think for the first is shock because you're like, oh my God, like 70% of clothing is synthetic now. And, you know, um, the fact it's that amount of, of oil that gets, I think people, there's such a disconnect between like synthetics and oil. And I think people sort of, to bring this to light in this way was really interesting. I've even talked to people who, who work in sustainability who mm. were shocked by that stat. So mm. I think it was really good for them to bring it out. I think it's, the ad starts really well. I think it's, it's creatively, it's really beautifully done. I don't know whether it's sort of, it starts really hard hitting and I don't know if it just goes a bit off towards the end maybe. Mm -hmm. I think it let itself down at the ending bit. I agree. Um, and, but, and also there's also the question of, I saw a lot of people commenting on Twitter when they were like, well, is wool a great alternative? And it opens up the question as to how far do you sort of equate this to greenwashing in a sense? Because are you able to talk about these things if your product that you're trying to push is an alternative? Yes, it's not as bad as synthetic, but it's not exactly, you know, carbon neutral, efficient, whatever. So there is the question of that. What did you think, Charlotte? Yeah, I'm similar to Imogen where I loved the first half of the ad. The swimming pool was really striking and it grabbed my attention straight away. Um, it, I mean, it almost created quite like a physical reaction when I watched it, mm. like seeing those people covered in the oil. Like it you made feel me, like you held down. It's like you felt the weight fully, of the oil. Like it made me want to go take a shower, which is probably <laughs> like what they were aiming for. So that part of the ad was great, really effective. But ironically, the second half of the ad where, they're all look, where they all looked cleaner and it's they're like all just they're... sort of walking around in the sort of countryside. Well, it's yeah, a bit utopian. Like, that's why it's like ironic that you know they're living in a green paradise, and yeah. I was I was bored. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, you know it's I mean? like I give me the oil. <laughs> yeah, I was like I shouldn't be. Does that more, say a lot of us? <laughs> I shouldn't be more interested in destruction. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, it's like, too clean. <laughs> yeah, it it just wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. It like Imogen said, I think it let itself down, and I think it would have been a lot better off if it had just kept to the swimming pool analogy and almost left us shocked yeah at the end of it but yeah i think when people started walking around the forest barefoot i just kind of yeah. lost, lost she will, they sell wool they share some woolly socks on yeah or some like, sheep yeah. somewhere where are the sheep yeah true does it change your perception though of synthetic clothing oh will yeah. it change but will it change your buying habits 
See, the, the, sustainability is a privilege. I think I, I've always said this. This is what this. I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, and, mm. you know, if people can afford to live a more sustainable mm-hmm. lifestyle, mm-hmm. they definitely should. But I think... Costs need to come down. Yeah, exactly. It's a, you know, it's an expensive lifestyle to live sustainably. And with the cost of living and everything at the moment, you know, it's how realistic really how, is that? How many people can afford... Yeah, it's come at the wrong wall. time, the cost of living. I mean, yeah, there's, no, there's, there's never a right time. It's so inconvenient, isn't it? <laughs> but if there was a bad time, it's a time where we all could be getting on with trying to save the planet. But mm. we're just trying to save our stomachs. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay, on that note, that is all we have time. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's all we have time for today. Um, thank you to Imogen and Charlotte for joining the podcast today. If you would like to read the features we have been discussing, please visit our website, campaignlive.co.uk, and do subscribe. Likewise, if you enjoyed this episode of the Campaign Podcast, please follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. A big thank you to our producer, Aidan Lyons from Rethink Audio, and also to you for listening. I hope you will join us next time. On behalf of the campaign team, goodbye.